drinking dance all night. Now it's talk with diapers and pacifiers and our pants are feeling tight. everyone welcome back to another episode of bottle service so happy you're here i have been so excited about this week's episode it's a topic that i think isn't talked about enough in the postpartum space but it is so important and affects probably all of us we're talking about navigating relationship changes this week I know when we're pregnant, there are a million things we plan for when baby gets here, like we plan for the gear we need, the nursery, the changing stations. We mentally prepare for the sleep deprivation, the body changes. But I don't think we really anticipate just how much our relationships change after baby gets here. I mean, I know from personal experience, like I didn't think twice about it. I'm like, my marriage is rock solid. That's the last thing I need to worry about. And then boom. Baby gets here, everything in your life is kind of upended, and yeah, relationship dynamics shift and change, and suddenly there's a lot to navigate through. So this week, I wanted to bring on someone who could help us through this big transition, and we are lucky enough to have such an amazing pro join us today. She is a highly sought-after couples therapist, podcaster, workshop leader, public speaker, and author of the book, The Toolbox, which is all about the tools we need to build relationships and repair them when they break. Guys, please welcome to the show, Vanessa Landino. Hey there. Hi. Hi. Oh my gosh. And my first in-person interview in like forever. You're doing great so far. (laughs) (laughs) It feels good. It feels good good. to be back in person. Yeah. Um, I will have to say, guys, I I, I apologize if there's any background noise because we are in a public studio space. So if you hear that, just ignore it and move right along. We'll do the same. Yeah. Um, okay, so Vanessa, I would first like to start off just quickly giving a little bit of background on you and your book, The Toolbox, because I think it's such an amazing resource for really anybody in a relationship, but mm-hmm. especially for those of us who are, you know, new to the parenting game, yeah. kind of flushing through all this. Yeah. Like, give us a little, give us the gist. Okay, so I was doing couples counseling for about 10 years by the time that the idea sort of percolated in my mind. And it came from a experience I had with someone who was really a self-made man. Um, He was a friend of mine. He had 1,200 acres of property, eight structures on the property, you know, could change his own oil in many vehicles, just like that kind of person who had a garage with every tool known to man, but he was like perpetually single and could never make a relationship work. So I was driving away from his house one day after a gathering and I thought to myself, man, if that guy had relationship tools, like he's got mechanical tools, he could probably make something work. And then, you know, sort of the light bulb went off and I thought, wait, is there a relational toolbox? (laughs) Is there like a set of tools that we all absolutely need to make our relationships work the same way that if you're going to stock up any kind of tool equipment in your house, I mean, you know, those of you who are listening who are really handy are going to laugh at this, but for those of us who aren't, you need a hammer, you need a couple (laughs) screwdrivers, like you need a flathead, you need a Phillips head, you need some pliers, you need a wrench, like they're basic tools that everybody needs and you can probably fix kind of a lot of things that go wrong in your house if you have those tools. And I looked at the couples that I was counseling at the time, and I thought, I keep explaining the same things. We keep working on the same dynamics. Are those the tools? Mm. And so the idea for the book came, and I wrote down every tool I could think of. So I came up with like 20 to 25, and then I narrowed it down to 12. 
And that became the book, The Toolbox. And so every chapter is a basic tool that you need in relationship, what it is, how it forms or doesn't form in childhood. So for example, tool number two is listening. If you don't know how to really listen to someone, set your ego aside and really listen to the meaning behind what they're saying, there is no hope for conflict resolution because you'll just be arguing your own point at them instead of receiving what they're saying, letting it marinate in your own mind and then responding from that space. So if you, for example, if you weren't heard as a child, you may be a terrible listener Mm. because you've never seen it modeled. Um, If you were heard as a child, you may be a good listener, but if you weren't, you may be a terrible listener or you may overly listen and overly empathize and give people too much space and not take the floor of your relationship because that wound inside you is going to tell you, I don't want anybody to feel that way, right? So all of the tools in the book have an explanation for what they are, whether or not we develop them in childhood, and then practically how to use them in relationship. And then every chapter ends with what I call tool tips which is like a concise summation of the chapter and then questions for discussion. So the book's really interactive. You're supposed to sit down with your partner, read a chapter together, talk about it, answer the questions, and then move on. And then what I tell people when I teach the workshop, which there'll be another one come spring, you can go to my website for all that stuff, um, is read through the whole book. Uh Pick one tool. There will be one tool that you will think, I don't do this well. (laughs) only one (laughs) well there could be several but pick one and then what I tell my couples is if you have trouble picking one ask your partner Uh they will they will probably tell you but things like boundaries and then really work on it that's chapter seven chapter nine is empathy chapter four is validation chapter three is emotional expression like you've got to learn how to do these things just to have a relationship that's functional so that's the book Uh, so good so important. And, and I love, I mean, it's funny that you say like, even in the formation of this book, you yeah. were like looking at couples and you kind of noticed patterns that were like across the board yeah. because what's funny is when I put up a question sticker on Instagram, like asking people, like, what are your biggest relationship, tr- like troubles, issues, you know, since baby got here, there were so many similar similarities sure. between them. Like I was like, there's sure. definitely themes here. Yeah. Um, and that's why I thought it was cool to kind of bring you in. I'm like, I'm going to give you a couple of the themes that we got. I was just about to ask you. Yeah. yeah. Let's pinpoint this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because like even the ones I was going through and listing in, I'm like, I have experienced every single one of these. Yeah. So I figured we'll like have you open your little toolbox for us. Yep. Go through these. And then I'll, ch- I'll kind of chime in too, because like I just know from firsthand experience, yep. like what this is, what's going on here. Yep. Um, yeah. It's, it's wild. I think we're all kind of having like, Different experiences, but all similar experiences at sure. the same time. Sure, sure. wild. Okay, so one of the first um, big similarities I noticed was a lot of people were writing in talking about like kind of, you know, not really being able to show up as your best self in the relationship. I mean, like p- new parents especially, like we're so overtired, overwhelmed. You know, you have this new living, breathing thing, like this new responsibility that like you're totally trying to figure out. And so all of a sudden, like your relationship is you know not the priority and a lot of people write in that like you know especially in those early days they're snipping at each other they're arguing um you know they're just so sleep deprived and exhausted what can we do in that situation for to help improve yeah well i think what you're giving your audience right now is the greatest gift which is preparation you should know what's coming (laughs) right and yet no one does yeah because you can hear it a thousand times and you know I do premarital counseling and a lot of times I'll have these bright-eyed bushy-tailed couples in my office 
who are, you know, in their 20s or 30s and this is their first marriage and they're so excited. And I tell them, like, you're going to not like each other sometimes. And I can just see it on their faces. Not us. Yep. No, no, not us. (laughs) And so, yes, you, you know. And so that is part of what I think we do in a gift that we give ourselves when we're realistic that we're just human. We also are going to look at our partner and think, I don't want to have sex with you. I don't even really want you to touch me. Also, don't look at me and go in the next room. But I love you still also away from you. Right. And so I think and that's the first chapter of the book. It's called The Right Mindset. And the subtitle of that chapter is The Dopamine Wears Off. Mm. It wears off. Dopamine is not meant to carry your relationship through every season of marriage. It is meant to kickstart your relationship. You fall in love. You get a cascade of dopamine. Dopamine is referred to as a neurological reward. It's the reward reward neurotransmitter. However, our brains secrete dopamine in the element of surprise. It's when something is new. Mm. In other words, you could take a different route home from work today and get a cascade of dopamine. Like, it is not that hard to get a cascade of dopamine, so anyone can fall in love. But what I tell couples is, like, the dopamine wears off. You're going to eventually not look at each other with that rush and that heat. And, gosh, I hope you do. And some couples are madly in love, and they can find a way back to that place year after year after year. But it's also really okay if that feeling settles down what makes a marriage a marriage is not dopamine it's commitment Mm. and so let's create space for sleep deprivation not knowing who you are anymore not knowing who your partner is anymore why because your roles have radically changed your responsibilities have radically changed so the first chapter of the book rightfully is the right mindset like get ready for the bumps that come. Don't be surprised. But when people live in this denial of their own relationship, you know, never us, not us. You know, I I say to people all the time, yes, you just be ready for it. And that way, when it comes, you won't feel like failures. So that's the first part Mm -hmm. is I would say, just have a sober mindset about what's coming. It's going to be hard. You're going to be sleep deprived. You're probably not going to want to talk to each other. And if you do, all you're going to want to talk about is the baby. Yes. So all of those interesting conversations you had over dinner and wine, press pause. Yeah. Okay. And the monotony. Like that's another thing yes. is like, especially with new baby life, like it's the same thing over yes. and over and over. So let's talk about that. When new baby comes, time slows down. Everything has to slow down. And I think so much of the struggle that new parents get into is they're resisting that. Hmm. They want their regimens, their patterns, their habits, their fun time. They want all of that to remain as uninterrupted as possible. And what I would say is embrace the change. Embrace it. You may not like it. (laughs) I'm not talking about liking it. That's separate. But embrace it as part of the overarching story of your life. This is part of it. And if you resist that, you're going to make yourself miserable. So what does that do in the relationship? It means that we breathe more and react less. You know, if I could go back and maybe write a different introduction to the book. I've wanted to rewrite the intro a lot, but it is what it is. I would probably add in that maybe the first tool you need to be married and have a productive, healthy relationship is you need to know how to breathe. You need to know how to quiet your mouth. Really, 
quiet your mind and just take a breath. Simple things like that. So what do we do when we're sick? Okay, here's a metaphor for the toolbox and a metaphor for what we do when we get into situations in life that are really overwhelming. When you're sick, let's say you've got a stomach bug. What do you do? You go on the brat diet. Bananas, rice, apples, toast. Is that what that is? Bananas, rice, apples, toast. (laughs) And like basically you're stripping down your diet to what is really bland and easily digestible. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you get a cold, what do you do? Well, you probably aren't going to crave lots of caffeine or alcohol. You're going to crave fluids. You're going to crave simpler foods. So we intuitively and also we learn how in our physical life to sort of shift into survival mode and kind of winnow down all of the options into, of life into what is absolutely essential, right? When you are in any kind of shift in the marriage, whether that's a new child, a second child, a fourth child, or when children go to college, or when children go to school for the first time, like these are all shifts in the energy and the fabric of the marriage, right? You've got to have a baseline set of what? Tools to go back to so that you know When you're looking at someone and you've got 25 things in your head and you're like, I haven't done the laundry, I don't know what I'm making for dinner, and you want to talk to me about what? (laughs) Right? This is what we do. And instead of knowing how to listen, which is a mental process of shifting attention, that's what listening involves. It is a mental process of shifting attention away from your own thoughts and onto the words and sounds of another person. That is a skill. It's actually a complicated set of neural circuitry. It's a skill. If you know how to do that and you've done it again and again and again and again, that means when you want to be snippy, (laughs) right? Or you don't want to be, but you are, Uh you know how to tell yourself, hey, gently, listen, listen right now, right? And for husbands, right? When their wives, hormones are re-regulating. Okay. Also, Newsflash, that happens every month, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. We're always in hormonal flux. There is never a day of a woman's month where she's not in hormonal flux. That is always happening, but certainly after birth, right? If you know chapter four, how to validate, how to listen to someone's emotional experience. And even though I'm going to give you my definition of validation, this is a freebie. You can get it from the book. You can get it from this podcast. Validation means this. It means given who another person is, their life experience, their personality, their lived experience, and their perspective in the moment, given all of those things, hint, none of them are about you. All of those things, what they are feeling right now makes sense for them. That's all it means. It doesn't mean you agree. It doesn't mean that you see things the same way. It just means that I can look at you, Sarah, right? And I can say, given who you are, I don't know you well at all, (laughs) right? But I might be able to say, and I do this as a therapist all day long, given who you are, where you grew up, the context of your family, your personality, the habits of your, all of that, what you're feeling right now makes sense for you. And so what does that mean? It means that we can listen to one another and we don't have to argue over emotions. We can just, we can look at our spouse and we can go, I get it. I get it. If I were in your shoes right now, looking at the situation, the way you're looking at it, I get it. Right. But you want to talk about trends, right? Themes, the male brain, because of the way the synapses fire in the brain, men are much more task oriented than women. I just did a podcast on this myself. 
they're much more task oriented. The centers in the brain that are responsible for sort of checking boxes and executive function in men move differently than women. Women are much more in their limbic system, which is the emotional part of the brain. Mm -hmm. Okay. So part of what we need to be able to do is have these basic tools in our toolbox so that when we get frustrated, this literally just happened in my marriage two mornings ago about yard work. It's just life, yeah. right? Our, our issues play out in everyday life. And you know, my husband ran over a part of the yard where we're trying to grow grass. And I was like, babe, you know, and it triggered off this whole, you know, domino effect in me of like, I'm feeling alone and, you know, in the care of the home. Da, 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 da. And so we talked about it. And I remembered in the moment, I was like, hey, Vanessa, listen to him. Validate his perspective. Like you feel passionately about where you're coming from. But also Jared has his own story here. He has his own mind. He has his own perspective on this. And when I listened to him, he was like, I really feel like you're negating. You have a selective memory. <laughs> he said, you're negating everything I've done. You know, blah, blah, blah. I said, list two things. You know, we were at it. And he listed <laughs> two. And I said, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. And he was like, thank you. And I said, you're welcome. You're right. And given what you're feeling right now, I imagine what I'm coming at you with feels really, really negating and diminishing. And he was like, it does. And I was like, I get it. I get it. And can you see how from my perspective, this feels like I've been kind of standing in some of the big stuff alone? And he was like, yes, I get it. So let's talk about what we need to do differently. And it took 30 seconds. Ugh. Okay. Earlier in my life, that conflict would have taken maybe three hours. Yeah. I was going to say that seems like it takes a lot of practice and is so much easier yes. said than done. Okay. And this is in the intro of the book. Like any tool you pick up, Okay, if you picked up a hammer for the first time and you tried to nail a nail into a piece of wood, you would wield that tool so differently than a seasoned carpenter mm -hmm. because they've done it a million times. So yes, the more you validate someone, the easier it gets. Why? Because you're grooving in neural pathways. Uh. Work on validating. Guys, I hate to be stereotypical, but I'm going to do it because it's relevant. You got to work on validating and empathy. That's your power tool is your ability to validate and your ability to empathize. If you can do those two things, you're home free. Huh? Yeah. And I feel like this is, this is probably a really hard time to empathize because especially like women, I just know, I know from going through this, like, you're like, I don't even know why I'm flying off the handle. Like yeah. your hormones are going yeah. crazy. It can be, I think this could be a really hard time for your partner to empathize with you, but yeah. it is so important for them to just like, I mean, both of you just give each other grace. Yes. 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 And I think, okay, empathy. Yeah. Empathy is feeling what another person is feeling. And what does it mean? Empathy is actually a function of the memory. Okay. So if somebody, you know, comes into a room limping, you go, gee, what's going on? I sprained my ankle. If you've sprained your ankle, you will naturally wince. Like, ow, mm -hmm. that's empathy. Like you just remembered what that pain feels like in your own body and you've kind of felt it again. That's close enough. That's good enough. That is good enough empathy. It's a function of the memory. So guys, have you ever been hormonally turned upside down and inside out? No, you have not. But have you ever felt like everything outside of you was out of your control? Yes, you have, or else you're a tyrant. <laughs> okay. Yes. You have felt out of control. Women in the throes of hormonal rebalancing and re-regulation feel out of control. That is a natural part of postpartum healing. 
So what does it mean? It means that you can look at someone, here we go, chapter four, and say, given who you are and what your body is going through right now, no, I don't understand it. I'm not experiencing it in real time. But based on what you're telling me and showing me, I get it. I get it. I have had couples in my office who have been at war with each other. And when one person validates the other, I have witnessed so quickly the tears start flowing. Mm. When one person just looks at their partner and says, hey, I get it. I get you. Oh, my gosh. We're halfway home. That's why I call them the power tools. Like, we're halfway home. We're already healing the relationship because you're connected. So your goal is not to do everything perfectly. Your goal is not to reestablish a hot, steamy sex life as quickly as possible. No, it is not. Unless you want to. have at it? But it's we're not. Gonna get, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> we can talk about that all day long. <laughs> yeah. um, your goal, your only goal through that incredibly miraculous, beautiful, difficult time is to stay connected to one another and to stay connected you have to listen to one another validate one another and empathize with one another Oof. guys we are getting into the holiday season and that means lots of celebrating and cheersing with maybe some more wine and cocktails than normal and if you want to celebrate freely without worrying about paying for it the next day you need to get yourself some morning recovery from more labs these little bottles are a lifesaver. They help speed up the breakdown of alcohol-induced toxins. All you have to do is drink one little bottle of morning recovery the night you're drinking and let their proprietary blend of electrolytes and vitamins rehydrate and restore lost nutrients so you can wake up ready to take on whatever motherhood has in store for you. If you've been listening to this show or follow me on Instagram, you know I'm obsessed with these. My tolerance is low as hell, and even one glass of wine these days makes me feel like crap, which I just can't afford to do with a toddler. So now is the time to stock up on these. You can save 20% off and support this show at the same time when you use code BIGKID at checkout. 20% off, guys. That's a nice little savings. Don't let rough mornings after drinking dampen the next day. Drink smarter with morning recovery at morelabs.com slash bigkid. And again, use code bigkid for 20% off your order. Cheers. Okay, this kind of goes into our next scenario. Okay. Because this is, uh, this is one I know I have felt and I got so many of these in the DMs. Um, this is, and I think it does come back to like validating each other and everything like that. But this is something I know as the female in this, I felt, um, a lot of people asked how to implement a task balance. Like people feel mm -hmm. like there's just like the load of, of yeah. parenting is have more heavily on the, the female. Like mm -hmm. I feel like there's this huge imbalance that happens and on the other side, I also got guys in my DM saying like, you know, they don't feel appreciated for being outside of the home, providing for the family. Mm -hmm. You know, if some person, someone's working mm -hmm. and one person's being a stay at home, I mm -hmm. think on both sides, they both feel unappreciated um, and like annoyed that they're not, that what they're doing is not being, I guess, validated by their partner. Okay. Excellent. Let's talk about chapter six, which is called gratitude. Gratitude is an essential tool in relationship. What is gratitude? Gratitude is two things. It is an experience and it is a skill. Gratitude as an experience 
okay, is what we feel. It's a warm feeling. It's an open feeling. Our bodies literally soften. Our muscles relax. There's a physiological experience of gratitude, right? When we say, oh, I feel so grateful. That's a feeling. That's actually an emotion, okay? When somebody meets our need, it's literally all gratitude is. It is when someone meets our need and we either didn't know it was coming, we didn't know that we were going to get that need met, or it was met in a way that was surprising, which is like bigger gratitude, okay? When somebody meets a need that we had, didn't know we had, asked, didn't ask, whatever it is, multiple scenarios, we show gratitude. Gratitude as a skill is a choice. Gratitude as a skill is what we choose to notice and say to our partner. Now, here's the thing about gratitude. Gratitude as a feeling is great. If you do not speak it, if you do not express it, it will do nothing to connect you. Mm. Again, the goal here is connection. It's not perfection. It's none of that. It is simply to stay connected to one another and figure out how to stay there. Okay? One of the greatest tubes of glue you have in your relational toolbox is your ability to express gratitude. Now, why don't we express gratitude? Because we're blind to it. We may be entitled. We think people should wait on us hand and foot. So we don't notice when people go out of their way to to help us or to serve us. So we could just be blind to it. Also, gratitude is very vulnerable. Mm. Because in expressing gratitude, we're admitting the need. Also, though, like I feel like and this is an example I got and I felt this too. Like someone like my I'll just use my life as an example. But like my husband will do something like do the dishes or something like that. And I know like, you know, expressing gratitude is a good thing. Yeah. But I'm also like I've done the dishes four times today. I've done the laundry. I've done this. I've done that. And like you have an like you haven't expressed gratitude towards me. Yeah. So why do I need to express gratitude towards you? Yes. So this is so real. We all get here, right? And what I call this in my practice, and I talk about this in the book, is it's the sandbox effect. It's like we've now become five-year-olds in the sandbox. (laughs) We all do it. There is a child inside of all of us that really desperately wants to be known and loved. Won't get into all that. But it's the sandbox effect. We have just diminished ourselves to five-year-olds in the sandbox of life where we kick sand in another person and we say, well, you kicked sand on me first well you pulled my ponytail well you kicked my shins I mean we literally are doing this with adult scenarios well you didn't express gratitude well you didn't either I mean literally we're literally (laughs) acting like five-year-olds in a sandbox so what I say in the book this is in the chapter on gratitude is I'm like should you thank your husband every single time he takes out the garbage would it kill you (laughs) would it kill you yeah would it kill us no husbands Would it kill you? Would it somehow harm your body or your soul to thank your wife before you close your eyes at night for what she's doing for sustaining and maintaining and loving and building your home and family? No, I don't think it would kill you. So gratitude has incredible power to shift all of the energy in a relationship. Now, let's talk about, but he doesn't do it first. Okay. Or just like people, like I think a lot goes unseen in these yes. scenarios because there's just, it's so, you're doing so much yes. all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yes. Chapter three, and again, I'm going to keep referencing the book, but that's, that's what we're talking about. Chapter three is emotional expression. Okay. Feeling unappreciated falls under the column of not being seen, mm-hmm. not being known. 
Okay. So when we don't feel appreciated, right, we don't have to be gratitude factories where we're just, you know, sycophants and we're like flattering our partner with all of this fake gratitude. No, not at all. We can say, hey, sweetheart, and this is my, this is the formula. When you blank, I feel blank. I need blank. Here we go. When you don't acknowledge what I do all day, I feel unseen. And when I feel unseen, I feel really unimportant to you. And when I feel unimportant to you, I feel disconnected from you. And that affects my attraction for you. And it affects my intimacy toward you. It just affects a lot of things. I need you to see me and say what you see that is good. I need to hear it. Mm. Okay? So repeating again. When you blank, I feel blank. I need blank. Oof. Okay? That's how you communicate. And now we have, we have a way to balance the relationship. We have a way to say, look, I know you're working and providing for us, and I appreciate you. I feel such a depth of gratitude, and I will tell you, I also need to hear it. When I think about how hard you work for us, I feel blessed. And I need the same thing. Okay, when you have two people who are communicating with that kind of self-awareness and that kind of self-accountability, like, hey, my needs are my job. If you're not giving me what I need, I don't expect you to read my mind. I don't expect you to have tarot cards. I don't expect you to intuit it. I am going to tell you in English, Mm -hmm. unless you speak another language, in English, here's what I need. What you do with that information is the quality of the love between us. Oof. I feel like that is such a powerful tool. And for those of, I'm thinking of like for myself, like I'm not the best communicator and articulator, Mm -hmm. especially when I'm pissed. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Especially then I feel like me attempting this tool is just going to fly off the handle. I feel like maybe even like writing this down. 100%. Yes. 100%. When you blank, I I feel feel blank. blank. I I need blank okay we can just end the episode that's like <laughs> that's all we need okay that's really really helpful good um I want to get through a couple more of these scenarios because sure. I'm looking at our time and I'm like shit we have like 50 more to go through um okay oh this was one I got a lot of people wanting boundaries mm-hmm. with their in-laws mm-hmm. so this is something I know a lot of people experience. Like mm-hmm. maybe, you know, your partner's mother, you know, maybe your mother-in-law is like, you know, handling your kids a certain way or doing certain things and you want your partner to take control or you you don't know how to act or mm-hmm. like you don't know what to do to set boundaries with your in-law. What, mm-hmm. what would you, what would you say? You know, I'm tempted right now in this moment, but tell me if you think this is a good idea because if it's not a good idea, I can just talk about it. What if we role played this? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'll be the new mom who needs boundaries within laws is okay. that is that the scenario that comes up like yes. your mom's here all the time and I need her to leave or I need more help <laughs> or whatever it is yeah okay uh, we can do yeah let's do that I, okay. I also had another one I'm just thinking someone is in my dms this week talking about like she doesn't want her kids on social media and like yeah. her mother-in-law keeps posting them and she's like I don't know what to do okay we can do that too yeah it's really the same thing yeah Okay, um, so I'll be that woman who's advocating for the privacy and the, really the safety of her children. Um, sweetie, your mom keeps posting our kids' faces on social media, and it's I'm aware of feeling really concerned about that for a number of reasons. Number one, I need that in my control right now. 
I can't speak to the future. I don't know how I'm going to feel when they're 9, 10, 15. I don't know. But right now, they're so little. And the internet is such an unsafe place that it feels out of control and therefore outside of what I can protect. So we need to have a conversation with her about that because I need to be able to make that call. However, I know she loves them and I know that she's excited about them. So what are your thoughts on that? Hmm. That's pretty good. Okay. So let me explain what I did in principle. Yeah. Okay. I described what I felt, right? I'm feeling concerned. This feels out of my control. I can't protect something if I can't control it. And I described what I thought. Okay. So this is me saying I statements. I feel, I think, I need. This is how we do confrontation, which is literally chapter 10 in my book. You have to know how to confront. We don't come at each other. We do this. I have done this. But we really ought not <laughs> come at each other with this is what I need and I demand this. That sort of tone, right? Yeah. What we can do is say, I feel, I think, I need. What do you think? Hmm. Have a conversation. That's how you successfully confront in relationship. But what we do instead is we throw our agenda at each other and then we guilt them and shame them when they don't agree with us. Okay. He is going to have good thoughts. Now, this may go very simply. Maybe he says, no, I totally agree. Let's talk to her or actually I'll handle it. Okay. Well, can we talk about that? What are you going to say? You know, I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to dampen the enthusiasm she has about our kids. Um, maybe she can create private albums and we know who can see them. Like there's, there's ways to do this, right? So I don't want to stop or limit her enthusiasm as a grandmother, but she's also not of this generation. She may not know how dangerous this is to be putting our family up there the way she is. So let's give her the benefit of the doubt, right? Or he might say, let's, let's, let's go to worst case scenario. Why do you, why do you, why are you talking about my mom that way? Like she would never do anything to hurt our kids. right, let's go to worst case scenario. So we go back to I statements. And this is where you have a choice. This is where the fork in the road is. If you stick to I statements, the chances of you reaching reaching resolution are greater. If you go to you statements, you always do this. You always take her side. You're not listening to me. We're we're heading off the cliff. Mm. Okay, stay in I statements. Okay, I hear you. I do. I love her. And I love that she loves our kids. But can you understand, hint, hint, validation, can you understand where I'm coming from right now when I tell you that this doesn't feel safe? Like, it's a mama bear thing. This doesn't feel safe. I need you to respect me. So let's talk about the bigger picture, okay? In marriage, you must have each other's best interest at heart. You must Never, ever, ever, and I'm not saying that in-laws are the enemy, but I'm using this phrase very generally, never side with the enemy. Never. Always side with your spouse. But what if I don't agree with them? Well, that's why you have tools, because you can communicate with each other and get to a place of agreement, but never side with anyone who is not your spouse if you want to have a happy marriage. (laughs) That will not work. That does not work. It is up to you to get on the same page using the tools. Look, marriage refines us. We become better people in it. We grow. I have grown so much in my marriage to the point where my husband has looked at me at times and been like, babe, you wrote the book. Why are you talking to me like this right now? (laughs) You know, I have 
own it. Yes, I wrote the book, but I'm not perfect either. So we work on these things. But one of the things that I have learned both in real life, in my marriage and in couples counseling as a therapist, never side with the enemy. So what does that mean? It means you say to your spouse in this scenario, okay, we are going to communicate this to my mom because that's what you need and that's what you want. But let's talk about it because I'm not on the same page yet. Yeah. But I want to get on the same page with you. Mm-hmm. Do you see? Yeah. You stay on the same page. You never, ever, ever um, take take sides with the enemy. Uh, I love that as a general rule. General. General Very rule. Ro- I love that. Don't ever side with the enemy. Not yeah. good. Not good. Yeah. Especially in these scenarios too. I know it can be frustrating because people have their own dynamics with their parents yeah and it's like okay I'm putting this on you to communicate my boundary with your mother your mother well and look that that varies from from relationship to relationship yeah because some people in my office I might say okay wait you're grown adults why is he communicating for you to your (sighs) mother-in-law uh-huh uh-huh welcome to life outside of the sandbox like we have words We can use our words. We can say, hey, Betty, mom, whatever we call her, right? Can we have an earnest conversation? Because you're a mom and I know you get it. Here are my thoughts. Here are my concerns. What do you think? Mm. Mm. I like putting it on them at the end. Now we have, yes, now we have what? A conversation. We have a relationship where I respect you. I want your thoughts. I want your feelings because who knows? She might go, oh my God, honey, I had no idea of all the risks involved. No, absolutely. But I do want to share pictures with, you know, my high school best friend. So how can I, okay, well, let's talk through that technology. Yeah. Okay. It's a new world. We have to talk through these things, but we come at it. I think I feel I need, what do you think? Mm, So good. So good. And I think that's actually like really good to remember. I know in even my situation, like I, I feel like I have become so much closer with my mother-in-law through having kids. Yes. And you have to have conversations. You have to be able to discuss certain things. Like I remember when we first started feeding our kids solids, like I was very particular about like the food I was serving and it's, she's like, oh, here's this like sugar yogurt that I got. It has like cartoons on it. Like this is good to serve him. And I'm like, yeah. Um, but that was just like a conversation we had to have. And it was like, you know, when you do this and you have these uncomfortable things, but you maneuver through it, I think it in the long run is so much better than say, just making you sicking your spouse. (laughs) Yes. We sick our spouse. Right. But also look, that's family. Yeah. This is family. We have lost this in our society. You know, we're so quick to cut people off. She doesn't respect my boundaries. He doesn't respect my boundaries. You know, we're calling everybody a narcissist. We're giving ourselves all of this emotional permission to become narcissistic ourselves as if our will and our way should be honored at all times without ever being questioned. Like that is not real life and that is not family. Mm. That's not family. So if you, let's say you go to your mother-in-law in in that scenario, hey, thank you, right? Gratitude. Thank you for bringing them such sweet treats. They were so thoughtful and they loved them. Here's my concern though, okay? I am so trying to not get these kids hooked on sugar. It's a drug. It's addictive. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know what your rationale was, but da, 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 da. So what do you think? I mean, I know you probably are rolling your eyes, but can you hear me out here? Well, you know, I fed my kids, but no, 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 no. Mm. I know, I know. 
and, and, and science has come a long way since then. And this is a concern of mine. So how about we do this? Let's set this boundary together. Let me know what you think. If it's a weekday, and I don't know where the boundary is, you know, it, dep it depends. If it's a weekday, let's just keep with whole foods, natural sugars, fruit, whatever. And then if it's a special occasion, like a birthday or a holiday, I'm good with it. Yeah. So I don't want to say you can never bring them sweet treats. Please do. But also, if you want to bring them yogurts, they love yogurt. Here's a brand that I buy that I love. Yeah. So again, now we're in family. Mm -hmm. Well, sweetie, you know, if I have them at my house, okay, maybe we make a concession. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, that's family. And I'm not saying that that's the way to do that situation at all. I'm just saying like in principle, we've lost the ability to just be in families together. You're so right. You You're know, so right. but we, that's how you build families. You make concessions and you make compromises. Concessions and compromises. Yes. 100%. And it is, it is so important. And it, it, like, yes. there's so much value. Yes. And there's a difference between abandoning yourself and people pleasing and making concessions and compromises while upholding your boundaries. And the difference is this, the presence of fear. Concessions and compromises should come from a place of self-honor, mm -hmm. not fear. If you fear and you bend, that's usually people pleasing. Mm. And that doesn't build relationship because you're reinforcing a shame model. Yeah. That, like, and then I, you're like slowly resenting. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I want to move on to a couple more. And yeah. this is one. Ugh, this is like so important. We have to talk about this. Yeah. Um, a feeling that I know a lot of new parents feel is when you get to that place where like intimacy and romance is so far gone yeah. and you're starting to feel like rom roommates you're yep. starting to feel like roommates yep. in a relationship yeah what do we do okay. help us out Whew, this big one first and this is the therapist speaking first okay um I want you to be very honest with yourself if you're listening to this podcast and you are sexually avoidant meaning you're avoiding sexual intimacy I want you to ask yourself if there was any trauma around sexuality in your life so let's say a little bit about that that would obviously mean abuse or assault it would obviously mean that it may also be the trauma of a shame-based sexuality okay because if sexuality is difficult anyway if it's something that you have to overcome mountains within yourself to participate in it, if life gets busy and life gets hard, it is not going to be something that you're going to run to. It's not. It's already too hard. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's like working out. If working out is a habit, you'll go back to it. If you hate it already, guess what? You're going to come up with 27 reasons not to do it. Okay? Sex is the same thing. If you hate sex anyway, I want you to ask yourself very honestly, have I been traumatized in or around my sexuality? Was there a space growing up for this part of me to develop unencumbered without shame? Guess what? There probably wasn't. Nobody, I mean, unless you live in some commune, I don't know. Nobody really has an upbringing around sexuality that is devoid of shame. So we've got to do that work because sex can be something that we go back to because it's comforting, hmm. because it's connecting, because it's the way our body says I love you. I know I can say from like personal experience, mm -hmm. like 
loved sex yep. pre-baby and yep. then after baby gets here I think there's like a lot of like body image stuff that comes yep. in you're like I don't feel sexy I yep. feel actually really freaking gross yep. in this moment yeah I don't want to be touched I'm like over touched all day I'm yep. overstimulated I just want to like you sit on your side of the couch and I sit on my side of the couch yep. so like for those of us who like this is all of the sudden like a yep. big change okay. in the relationship yep. let's talk about that like how do we get back to okay that? well we get back in baby steps Okay, we get back in, and this is very important for women to have, again, this shame will silence us in these spaces. We have to have the language to say, hey, sweetie, can you just rub the muscle between my thumb and my forefinger here for a little bit? Because I've been holding a baby all day and that muscle is sore. Just rub that muscle for me. Okay, husbands, rub the muscle. Learn how to give a proper muscular massage. Okay, learn. You can learn. And don't just think it's going to result in sexy time right after. No. Okay. <laughs> I think this is, we all have like a fear of that. Well, yes. And so baby steps. Okay. And then, hey, can I lean on you while we're watching this movie, but I don't want you to put the moves on me. Can I just be close to you? Right. And maybe another week goes by. Babe, will you just stroke my hair? Okay. Baby steps. Ask yourself, what am I comfortable with right now? Uh-huh. Okay. Maybe it's not penetration. Maybe I don't want you to can we be blunt maybe I don't want you to go down on me like there's a lot going on down there yeah a lot has been happening (laughs) you know so maybe not but how about um can you spoon me okay men be patient Mm. slow and steady wins the race right what you want for a woman to feel and I'm gonna speak specifically to women here because this is really not a male problem guys not often um for a woman to feel sexually aroused okay Women have one condition for arousal. There is one. There is only one. And it is safety. When a woman feels safe, she can be fully aroused. When she does not feel safe, she will not be fully aroused. So what does that mean postpartum? Well, you're not feeling sexy, right? Your body is now nursing a child. It's been through so much in birth. It's healing. If there was a cesarean, there's so much that goes on, right? So baby steps. Sweetie, I can't even imagine allowing penetration right now. Blows my mind. Can't even think about it. But if you could rub my feet, (laughs) really, but we don't do this because we feel guilty because we feel shame. I should want sex. He wants sex. I'm just going to, you know, grip my teeth and bear it. No, rebuild it Mm. organically, organically. Can you rub my shoulders and don't put the moves on me? Do you know what happens when a woman feels a man's affectionate, loving touch and he's not moving toward her sexually, she will begin to feel safe. And if she likes the way she's being touched, she will begin to be aroused. Yeah. That is organic. It's organic in women. And men shoot themselves in the foot when they move too quickly, postpartum, and they demand it, and they act like it's their, you know, eternal right, right? This is a partnership, and your sexual relationship is a relationship. It's not a right. Mm. It's a relationship. That relationship exists in and of itself. So, yes, after a child, baby steps. Also, begin to create space and time for intimacy. That means schedule it in. Really? Somebody asked, like, do I schedule in sex? 100%. And if you're going to schedule it in, Make it great. 
If you like candles, if you like a certain type of music, if you like toys, what, whatever you like, schedule it in, plan it. It's not going to be like, oh, 3 a.m. We rolled over toward each other and it was really hot and it was fun and I was so tired at work the next day. Those days may be over for a little bit, not forever, for a little bit. Okay. Schedule it in. A great book on this, if you've not heard her name, um, you should know her name, all couples, um, Estelle, Esther Perel. She wrote, yeah, she wrote Mating in Captivity. This is a great book on keeping your sexual relationship fresh, interesting after years and years and years of marriage, but certainly through children. Schedule it in. Make it what you want it to be. If it's weird, laugh about it. You know, have a sense of humor about it. It doesn't have to be overly serious. But I think that the woman has to determine in those months afterwards what feels safe, mm-hmm. what she needs, and guys, be patient. Yeah. What if you schedule it in, but then the day comes and you're like, you feel like it's forced and mm-hmm. you're like, I'm not feeling sexy or like wanting to do this at all. Mm-hmm. I would say stick to your schedule, you know, because that can be very, that that can be a broken promise. Yeah. You know, if a man is thinking or if one partner let's not be that stereotypical if one partner is like oh okay the great this is going to be an intimate time for us um and then well now I'm not in the mood okay well then what was the point of scheduling it in yeah like I think as much as you can and again look ladies if you really can't I mean just say, hey honey I know we scheduled in intimacy the most intimate thing I can do right now is this right guys when you look at her and you say babe that's fine I love you yeah. I just want to be next to you. You will have her heart forever. But if you're going to complain, right, and and shame and put an, another burden on a new mother, um, don't be surprised when she's not interested in sex. And it's not because she's not interested in sex. It's because she doesn't feel safe. Mm. You, your job, postpartum, guys, is to create a safe space. Yes. That's your job. Yes. Ladies, your job is to take care of your body, let it heal, and communicate baby steps very specifically as you're able. Yes, I love that. Somebody asked me too, like, what is the average uh, between, like, when couples start having sex again post postpartum? And I feel like it's so different between every couple. Every couple. Yeah, I don't know what the statistic on that because it has too much to do with the birth. Totally. So yes. that's, there's too many variables there. Yeah. Like, I had a C-section, and yeah. so, like, the the sensitivity on the scar like really just added so much more time. I'm like, I don't want any friction around here at all. Well, certainly. And that's also, um, the body in survival mode wanting itself to heal. Yes. Right. Yeah. So surprise, surprise for all of us. Marriage takes a lot of selflessness Mm. and patience. Totally. Okay. I know. Oh my gosh, we were going way over time, but I figured let's, Let's finish off with one more. Okay. Um, I laughed at this one. Okay. Because somebody wrote, does everybody feel like they want to divorce their spouse or is it just me? <laughs> and I laugh because like this is, a, I had this exact conversation with like my other two mom friends. Like mm-hmm. they were experienced moms and I was the new one. And we were like talking. My baby was maybe like two months old at the time. And they were like, oh, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's great. They're like, how's Brandon doing? I'm like, he's great. I'm like, he's such an amazing dad. But like, is it normal to just kind of freaking hate him? <laughs> and they're like, yes. <laughs> they were like 100% like welcome to motherhood. Yeah. So if you're feeling like these intense feelings, like 
I hate my spouse. I want to divorce them. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend? Like what, what, what would you say to, to maybe like feel better about that? Well, let's unpack that. (laughs) Right. I hate my spouse. Um, Hatred is, um, it's a very strong emotion and it typically means um, that we have such contemptuous and detesting feelings for another human being that we actually wish them harm. Is that how you felt toward Brandon? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. This is the thing. This is what's, this is what's like hard to explain. Like in postpartum, like I just, I felt such extreme emotion where like I wasn't nor I never would ever say like, like the D word or the H word, but like in extreme, I feel like maybe it's like even a hormonal thing where you fucking hate up. Yeah. I don't. Right. But I do, but I don't. Right. So, so let's unpack that. Okay. Cause I think accuracy around emotional expression is really important. And here's the thing because women are hardwired much more relationally than men are. Okay. Women throw out words like that with each other and we don't think twice about it. Okay. You might say, is it normal to hate them? Oh my God, yes. Like, <laughs> and women just sort of validate that among each other and like we just skip on. Like anyway, pour the coffee. You know, like, yeah. we don't even think about it. You say that to a man, it'll devastate him. Oh. It will devastate him. Men don't throw that around. Yeah. I think when, I have jokingly mentioned it to him before and he was like, what? Right. <laughs> like th- that, that flies in female circles because we throw those words out a lot because we're so emotionally fluent with each other. Men don't communicate that way. It would de- that would devastate a man. I mean, he would feel like blindsided, like, oh my God, is my life falling apart? That kind of thing. Right? Yeah. So let's unpack that a little bit. Okay. Can I ask you questions personally about totally. that? Okay. So were you feeling, let's go through the f- seven basic emotions. Okay. Mad, sad, glad, afraid, embarrassed, lonely, hurt. Definitely mad. Great. Okay, that's anger. <laughs> yeah. Now, like ang- it's like a rage. And I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, like yes. postpartum rage yes. is like a real thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, for whatever part of that is hormonal, we're just going to excuse that and why? Because that emotion will pass. That's not relational. Right? Anger is the result of someone crossing our boundaries. It can also be, and this is all in chapter 3, emotional expression. There's two types of anger. So let's zero in on this rage and on anger. There's clean anger and protective anger. Clean anger is what you feel when someone violates you. Mm. They cross your boundaries. um, They disrespect you, which is a crossing of the boundary. That is clean anger. Like you have disrespected my personhood. Okay. Protective anger is when deeper emotions show up as anger. Mm. So I might be feeling alone I might be feeling regret, remorse, shame, sadness, whatever it is, but it's showing up as anger because anger is a stronger emotion and kind of keeps us well protected. Ah, It keeps us well defended. Yeah. So let's put this experience in two columns. Okay. If it's hormonal, just wait it out. Mm -hmm. Wait it out. Don't act on it. Just wait it out. And if you act on it, apologize, which is chapter 11, (laughs) how to give a proper apology. Because no one should receive the brunt of our anger because of a hormonal shift. It happens. But just apologize. Repair that. Okay? If it is relational, meaning there is some kind of a boundary violation happening in the relationship, or there is a perceived injustice, Mm -hmm. okay, that will cause you to hate your spouse. So... Or to feel rage toward them. So let's look at this a bit objectively, shall we? A woman conceives the child, carries the child, goes through pregnancy, all of those bodily changes, births the child, nurses the child, if you nurse, up all night, right? So 
you look at a man who's sleeping through the night. Yeah. Going to had, golf the next day. Going to golf <laughs> has had absolutely no inconvenience except like, oh, the bundle of joy. Yeah. Right? It can seem that way. Right. Now, what I will tell you from counseling men in therapy is the weight of responsibility that they feel postpartum is extreme. Mm-hmm. Very often they are going to golf because they have to kick like they have to let out steam. They just went from like my hot, beautiful w- wife that I love to, oh, my gosh, I have to support these people. It's all on my shoulders. So they crush under the weight. Oh. Yes. Okay. No, notice what's happening in you. Immediately your compassion is aroused. Yes. Right? This is why we don't act out our feelings. We talk about them. So we might say, sweetie, I am aware you've done nothing wrong here. Okay. But I am aware of hating you. I am aware <laughs> of having some real feelings of rage towards you. Don't take it personally. I'm just, my hormones, all of it. And I think what I'm seeing is I'm seeing you bounce forward. You don't have to heal. You're doing physical activity. I can barely walk. Yeah. And you're golfing. And I'm hobbling. I can't leave the house. I can't right. take a shower. I can't take a shower. And and I'm feeling the injustice of that. This doesn't feel fair. And you know what? It's not. This isn't fair. Like there is an unfair burden on a woman's body to bring in the child that the couple shares. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not fair. It's just the way of nature. I didn't create it just you know take that up with whoever you believe in take it up with whatever you think but that is the way it is right it is unfair and I'm aware of it and it feels unjust and now I'm mad at you now when you've got a man who's done his work he's gonna look at you and go babe I get it I get it what do you need from me do you need space do you need a hug what do you need and sometimes we just might say I just needed to get that out and be heard I hear you. I know what you're going through right now is hard. And you know what? It is unfair. How can I level the playing field? That's the hottest phrase I've ever heard in my entire life. Okay. If you could, you're you're all listening to a podcast. I'm sitting across from this beautiful lady. If you could just see the expression that just went across her face, (laughs) it was sheer relief. Guys, this is relationship. It's knowing yourself well enough to bring your real feelings to your partner and having a partner, both of us, who is mature enough to hear it and know what the hell to do with it. Mm -hmm. But what do we do? We yell at each other. And why do you hate me? What did I do? I mean, now we're off to the races. This is great. You know, it's terrible. It's so hard to repair that. But if we have the tools going in, if I know that my my responsibility, my, my emotions are my responsibility, it's my job to communicate this with you. And I might say, I feel hatred, but I don't hate you. I'm actually mad. Yeah. Or I feel hatred, but I don't hate you. I'm really sad. I'm sad and it is coming out as anger because I don't want to be sad and I don't know why I'm sad. Now that again, could be hormonal, could be relational. If it's hormonal, don't do anything. Let it pass. Mm-hmm. It'll, your emotions will re-regulate. If it's relational, talk about it, work it through. This is why we need tools because that conversation would bring you closer together if you know what to do with it. Ugh, totally. And that, that brings us to tell us more where we can find <laughs> your book. I mean, honestly, I feel like this is such a good 
like it's called the toolbox like yes. this is this is really important for us to have to yes. know and it's like more than just listening to this podcast I think it's diving a little bit deeper yeah tell us where we can find you or we okay. can find your book okay so you can find the book on Amazon um, just look up my name Vanessa Londino the toolbox and it'll pop up um, if you read it and you love it, I brought you a copy today. Yay. Oh, yeah. I have one, but thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Give it as a gift for yes. Christmas. Um, read it with your partner. Really get through it. Um, I've had couples who do one chapter a month, and then they come in and they talk to me about it, which is awesome. So if you're in Tennessee, um, I could see you if I can fit you in my schedule. So you can go to my website, vanessalondino.com, and send me a request through there. Um, a couple of different options for couples, um, especially with new kids, because it's hard to find time. When you have the little ones to come in, I do work remote, meaning we can do teletherapy, but therapy is better in person. So what I would recommend is come in for an intensive. Um, I do every so often keep Saturday hours. If you're in Tennessee, again, this is if you're in Tennessee, you can come into my office. Um, let's work together for like two or three hours. Let's get into some things. I'm going to send you home with a lot to do at home. And that will, that will last you a month. Hmm. That will last you a month and a half. That is worthwhile time spent. Get a babysitter, get an in-law, <laughs> talk to your mother, communicate with your mother-in-law, get somebody over to the house and come in and see me. That's, um, that's couples counseling. And that's if you're in Tennessee, if you are not in Tennessee, I do couples coaching online. Hmm. So I have coaching clients all over really the world. I mean, I have coaching clients in Europe. Um, and so again, if I can fit you in my schedule, I love working with couples. I love working with this book. I love working with this material, but that's how you reach me. And that's how you get me. Amazing. Yeah. I'm going to link all your stuff in show notes for Yay. anybody who's interested. And thank you so much for bumping thank along with us. Thank you for having me. <laughs>